Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, this is Ryan and Brock. We're here with Ed Newton, Pastor Ed Newton. Uh, here on the Lead Defend podcast, and uh, we're just excited and honored to have you, Ed. Uh, we're actually at Econ Evangelism Conference. Ed's about to preach and bring down the house to uh, 700 or so pastors. Wow. Ed, Ed, let me ask this question. What is it like being a pastor, speaking to pastors? Hmm. First of all, it's humbling, and uh, just want to say thank you for allowing me to be on the podcast. The fact that you guys just flipped from a room of tacos and... <laughs> <laughs> and nachos to just come to a podcast. The fact that you guys are straight business, man. Dude, tacos for life it was. Yes. Arkansans will know that. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, repping it big. But all that to say, honored to be here. Um, youth pastor for life was just talking to Greg Steer. Just grateful that I have a youth ministry background that leads me into a pastor. I, I'm still a youth pastor. Mm. Awesome. And just, that's actually where I, I got to know you first was doing Super Summer. Yeah. Um, I was a I was a staffer, and you got to come a couple times, mm. and there was one moment you even got to sit down with a friend of mine, and, and we sat in the green room and talked for a little while, and you shared some things with me that I still put to practice today. But another thing that came up is, is I, I got to be honest, there's a lot of folks who are pretty excited to see you tonight, but... There's, there's talk of your fashion progression through the years <laughs> and folks going back to when you first started to like long hair Ed, yeah, to skater Ed. Yeah, so. yeah. That was an evolution. So first of all, thank y'all to anybody that's listening. Thank you <laughs> for loving me through a lot of hairdos, man. Hey. A lot of hairdos and a lot of fashion moments. And uh, I, I've just got to the place where my hair is falling out. It's going underground. <laughs> True story. Shaving my earlobes right now and mm. uh, just trying to figure out what that's all about. It happens. And, and then... I was like, I'm tired of making decisions on clothes. Well, now I just wear black. That's all. I there simple. you go. I just simple, wear black. Fresh, clean. And uh, it's it's actually saved a lot of brain cells. There you go. True story. <laughs> I just literally like I wore this same outfit yesterday, <laughs> minus the coat. And I was like, nobody will know. No. Well, Ed, we I first had the opportunity to hear you interact with you. Um, uh, worked at False Creek a couple summers, 2010, 11, Love and that place. Uh, man, thank thankful for you. Uh, all that to say, you have spent a significant portion of your life speaking to students, whether it's in large groups, one-on-one. Man, why do you believe so much in students? I was that kid that didn't grow up in church and got saved in high school and never forgot where I came from. Wow. Had a youth pastor, two youth pastors specifically. Joe Allison was a former druggie, Daytona Beach lifeguard, gave his life to Jesus and just really began. I'm a high school kid spoken to my life, took me to my first youth conference. I, I didn't even know youth pastors existed. Like, I, I really didn't. I got saved at a Wednesday night Baptist prayer meeting. Wow. And so I had no idea. And then on a on a Sunday morning, both my parents are deaf. They're in heaven now. And we show up at a church in Orlando, Florida, and we show up, and my mom filled out that card. Mm-hmm. And Tuesday night evangelism visitation. Wow. Joe Allison shows up. Hmm. Ask me the old diagnostic question. You know, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And I said, yeah, I, I would. And he was like, well, tell me why. And I said, I gave my life to Jesus. And, but I, I didn't know what that meant. I sure. just thought I was going to you know, go to heaven. The formula. That's all I knew. Like, I, all I knew is I got saved. That's all I knew. And he was like, hey, would you come and be a part of our youth group? And I was like, what's that? I had no idea. And then all of a sudden, he took me to my first youth camp, my first uh, youth conference, Dawson McAllister. I, wow. I don't know if anybody could even 
I mean, he's doing radio shows back mm-hmm. in the day. Todd Proctor was the worship leader. This is like when keyboard the keyboard became a big deal. This was like <laughs> right after the over. Matter of fact, I was I had a job in the youth ministry. I was in charge of the slides hmm. on the overhead projector. It's crazy, man. So so you're not talking slides, click a button on the computer. Oh no, no I'm talking. You're like, talking like replace the page replace, on the overhead. Yeah, like the, wow. the songs are in a notebook, mm-hmm. alphabetical <laughs> order, like. Letter P would be Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would pull that out oh, of the baby. notebook and, oh, baby, let my people go, <laughs> huh. And so slide that on the deal. You know, it's a reverse projection, so mm-hmm. I get yeah. it backwards and all that to say. Um, yeah, that uh, just youth pastor poured his life into me. The youth pastor after him, David Flat. shout out to him if he ever comes across this podcast. He's the missions pastor at First Baptist Church, Panama City. And uh, just he and a... His wife just poured their lives into me and another guy named Sean Callender, who's an associate pastor at Prestonwood Baptist, and, and many others that were called to ministry at that, that season. Hmm. And that was my journey. And wow. just, so I had a youth pastor just speak a word into me. I went off to Bible college and got trained, played basketball at the school, met my wife, went to Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis. Yeah. And I, so I was a youth pastor, college pastor for four years, took I mean, I, I could just go on and on and on about this, but I was at a disciple now, and I was a college pastor, and I was in Troy, Alabama. Chandler Matthews is, it was the youth pastor's name, and he said, hey, listen, would you come and work with the eighth-grade kids? We can't find anybody to work with eighth-grade guys for that mm-hmm. weekend. And during that disciple now, and if anybody knows what a disciple now is, it's a Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday event, and I'm just the eighth-grade Bible study leader. I'm a college pastor at a church in Memphis. And Chandler Matthews looks at me and goes, hey, listen, God told me you're supposed to preach tonight. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> you mean like in a couple of hours? He was like, yeah. I said, hey, man, that's not me. I'm just a small group Bible study guy. He goes, you'll be disobedient to God if you don't do this. Whoa. And they brought in a speaker. Yeah. yeah. So they asked the speaker not to speak. Wow. And I got up, and, and man, I, I preached the message that seven minutes was done. Ask people if you want to give your life to Jesus, come on down. Because I'd mm. seen that on a Billy Graham video. Yeah. And um, drove home. And God called me into evangelism. And wow. I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. So did that. 13 years, that's the, the Falls Creek. That's Oklahoma Baptist, Arkansas Baptist, Georgia Baptist, Alabama. I mean, all, all this. Sure. So tonight is special for me mm-hmm. to come back to Arkansas Baptist and um, – it's a reunion of a lot of people that gave me a shot that I probably didn't deserve. Wow. So it, it's an honor. I feel like this is a family reunion. It's a, it's really, a, if anything, it's for me to stand behind that pulpit tonight and look you pastors in the face and people like y'all and go, man, thank you. Hmm. Thank you for allowing me to have, have an opportunity to speak a word in your life or that you would even care enough to ask a question. Mm-hmm. To me, humbled, absolutely humbled. So my wife's with me tonight, and just to be here is a, is a true privilege. I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful. Yeah, so in, in your story, you know, probably different than mine, I grew up very much in church all the time, and one of the things I realize is, is church people, like a lot of our listeners, sometimes we can make assumptions about those who are unchurched. Mm-hmm. What do you think maybe some un, assumptions that, that church people can make about those who, who haven't grown up in church that, that maybe can help us reach out to our neighbors or friends that, that we want to see come to know Christ? Yeah, I think the big, the biggest thing is that we, we automatically begin with the presupposition that they're not spiritual. Hmm. There There's... There is a superstition in, in most people 
superstition is an openness to, to, to the spirit. Mm-hmm. They just don't know the name of the spirit. Wow. But unfortunately, they, they have to dabble and seek, and they, they find whatever <clears throat> they could find to probably maybe calm something that's going on in their heart. So I, I would begin with the presupposition that since we're all image bearers of God, there's an, there's an understanding hmm. of maybe in, in the heart of all of us, there's a longing for more. So even for, even for the person that's agnostic or even for the person that's an atheist, there's an understanding of there's got to be more. Hmm. And the un, unfortunate definition of more could be found in materialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even for the person that doesn't believe in God, that, that very person goes, well, if I get that, that will satisfy me. Yeah. It's a material item. And that, unfortunately, they don't have the framework to, to call that. That's my form of worship. But anything that we chase after is yeah. worship. And so for me, I, I would begin with the presupposition of could, could we recognize that since we have been stamped as image bearers of God, there's more of an openness to spirituality than I think we fully give credit to people that are not churched. Mm-hmm. That people most likely would, if, if we talk about the things that, that people chase after or pursue or, or the longings in their heart to try to figure out what, what is it that they're pursuing. Um, and then the second thing I would say is in that conversation, that, you know, Bill Bright stands out to me. He said every conversation that, that lasts more than five minutes is a divine appointment. Hmm. And, man, that has stuck with me for over 20-something wow. years. And I think for me, a lot of people that need an invitation to come to church never get that because we're, we're afraid that they'll say no. Mm-hmm. And I think surveys and statistics have proven that it's over 75% will say yes if they're asked. Yeah. And I think we just got to get to the place where we, we don't just ask at Easter and Christmas. Yeah. But here's what I'm, I'm seeing at our church specifically. What we're seeing at our church is not, not this, this shame and this guilt of, like, go evangelize. You, you talk about things that are natural. Like, if you came across, like, your favorite milkshake at, at Chick-fil-A, it's interesting when you, when you encounter something, you naturally talk about those mm-hmm. things. And so what I would say is, could we have a heart for the lost? Yes, could we be open to, to spiritual conversations with people in the highways and byways? Could, could it be that maybe the reason why we're going from point A to point B is not really about B? It's, it's getting to point B, put us in the direction and the vicinity of the divine appointment that we had mm. never gotten wow. to if we weren't going to be. Yeah. But that requires a whole different perspective for the Christian to say, God, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Mm. And an openness to the Holy Spirit specifically. Well, Bono said it best. I mean, he did. He, he said it best. He said, religion is what happens when the Spirit leaves the building. Wow. And my prayer, because we, we can, we, I'm an evangelism guy. Like, I, we could do formulas. We could yeah. do outlines. We could do all that stuff. But my prayer right now for the church of today is would we be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is doing? Mm. And could we have eyes to see a heart that feels because anything but that will be very programmed. Mm -hmm. But when somebody falls fresh in love with who Jesus Christ is, I I think it's at the initiation and the unction of the Holy spirit that leads us in that direction. So the things that we love, we're going to speak about. Do I, do I wrestle with fear? Yeah, man. The guy that came to my house to give me a bid on a contract job at our home, man, as I'm walking him back to his car, I'm wrestling. I'm like, God, get God, please. His name's Wesley. I'm like, God, give me that opportunity crazy miss the moment god forgive me Mm. and um and he called to check back in on this estimate and i said hey man i'd like to talk to you a little bit more he goes i'm at the hospital with my wife wow i said hey 
can I just let you know I'm praying for your wife? So here's this guy that just thinks this is going to be transactional, mm-hmm. that God now puts our lives together in a moment where his wife mm-hmm. is in the hospital and just was blown away by the fact that I pray for him. So I missed the moment to share my faith, mm. but the Holy Spirit brings it back around with another yeah. opportunity. And so I, I would just say, oh, Lord Jesus, get, give the church of today a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Ed, what you're talking about is just having eyes that are eyes open to, to whatever it is that God would have us yeah. do. And so what are some things along your journey that have that have really like yeah. led you to I open your eyes going. to those yeah, opportunities? And Yeah, I love it. I came across an old school cat. He's obviously in heaven. His name's Brother Lawrence. He had a he had this great concept of called practice the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he said was, he asked the question: Is it possible for a person to think about God all day long? Wow. And um, and the initial response was no. But then he said, and and so he begins with that, and then he leads with this understanding: It is if we begin to implement signs and symbols, kind of a liturgical way of mm-hmm. thinking. If we could put things in our life hmm. that, that only matter to us, it wouldn't matter to anybody else, that serve as triggers to lead us to a place of the presence of God. For example, uh, when I first came across this, I was a college pastor. I used to wear Adidas all the time. And it was just my thing, yes, because I, I listened to Run DMC when I was a kid, <laughs> but, but it was the three stripes, okay. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Even to this day, when I see a pair of Adidas, three stripes, it takes me back to yeah. the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I wear black bracelets a lot. Uh, one of the, the simple statements from Brother Lawrence was these triggers. I wear black bracelets to remind myself mm-hmm. to die to self. It's one of the reasons why I wear black. Specifically, I had a conversation with a nun in an airport. It was a wow. fascinating conversation. I said, ma'am, I need to know why you wear black every day. Hmm. She goes, when I go to my closet, she goes, I pray a prayer that I am dying to self and I'm putting on Christ. Wow. So what I'm saying is is, is that we, we are able to think about the Lord throughout the day, to yep. walk, as Galatians 5 says, in step with the Spirit, mm-hmm. if we're able to put things along the way that trigger our minds to the Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and I think like even as I'm wearing this WWJD bracelet, which, by the way, has come back in style again, and you're <laughs> it, like, wow, yeah, that's crazy. A, it's crazy. Thank you. The 90s are back. They're yeah. back, They're baby. They're, They're back. back. So all that to say, I would... I would encourage our, our, our listeners to try to put some symbols. Like I, when I, I wear wedding band, my rings, um, when I wash my hands, I pray for my wife. Mm. But it's not till I'm washing my hands. So mm-hmm. even just these little yeah, rhythms, just reminders. Yeah, rhythms is a great way to say that. Just That's little rhythms. Yeah, it's a great word. So You've preached uh, tens of thousands of students. You've seen folks come to know Jesus. You've also seen people walk away who didn't make the decision to trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is going on in the hearts and minds of students? Um, and and what is your plea to, to this next generation? Yeah, man, it's not your job to save people. Hmm. Our job is just to share with people. Wow. And, and I would say to a student, your story is more powerful than you fully give yourself credit for. Hmm. Tell your story. you got to be able to tell your story in three minutes. you gotta be able, you got to be able to... Uh, what your life was like before Christ, what your life looked like when you gave your life to Jesus, and what what is God doing now? You got to be able to say that in three four minutes, and not not elaborate on the past. Hmm. Talk about just like man, I was seeking, searching, gave my life to Jesus. He changed my life. That's the story I just keep telling. Yep. And this is what God's doing today. But I would say to somebody that encounters someone that that walks away, th- th- there's a whole thing we could talk about 
But I would just be very, very cautious to make sure that what we do is we represent Christ well mm-hmm. in that moment because we're just the seed. Because someone else that comes behind you has to be able to make, they, they may be the one that waters. It's the seasons of the harvest. When we talk about plowing, sowing, watering, and reaping, those, mm-hmm. those are the seasons of the harvest. You don't know what stage in the four seasons of the harvest you're in wow. as you share your story. You could be just tilling ground. It could be the first time somebody goes, dang, I didn't know Christians could be cool. You know what I'm saying? That's tilling yeah. the ground. Yeah. You, you, you might be the seed of, man, that made, that made somebody think about something, and someone comes behind and waters it, and it could be at the right moment at the right time somebody reaps the harvest. All of that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So that's what I'd say to somebody, man, just represent Christ well and know that hopefully, Lord willing, somebody's coming behind you. Man, that's so good. I'm a. I'm still thinking about that that nun story. I was actually at a, a youth retreat this past weekend preaching Colossians two and three. Mm. That would have come in handy yeah. for putting Use on it. the putting Use on it. the new self. Use it. Hey Ed, I know one time uh, I mentioned it earlier. You shared with a, a buddy in mind at Super Summer, and it had to do with with platform and responsibility. Mm. You even drew this little diagram. Trying I don't know if you trying. remember that or not. But in a in a day and age when so many leaders are falling, this mm-hmm. is the Lead Defend podcast. We got people listening who they want to be leaders. Um, talk to us a little bit how how you can be a leader that leads to the end without without failing. Not in the sense that you'll never have failure, but mm-hmm. the media coverage type failure that we see, and it seems just it's, it's just sadly too often these days. This could be a whole podcast by itself <laughs> because I, I think for me, um, one, I, I'd begin with this: you can't lead others if you can't lead yourself. Yeah. Bottom line. And, and so in order to lead yourself, you got to know yourself. So that's a two-part statement. You yeah. can't lead others if you can't lead yourself, but you can't lead yourself unless you know yourself, yeah. which means you got to know your nature and your nurture. Your nature is your wiring of how God God has made you. That's You could find that out through a lot of different personality profiles, etc. But your nurture, we're so shaped and sculpted by the places that we grew up in, the people that invest in our life. And so when you take an observation of your nature and your nurture and begin to run what I call the tendency loops, we all have a proclivity unto something. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't know yourself, I mean, the, the enemy's schemes are, 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 are not new. Hmm. It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But it's the, it's the appetites, it's our ambitions, and it's our acceptance. So for all of us, when you look at the ambitions, our, our, our appetites, and our acceptance, for, for many of us... It, it, we lean in one direction or the other. So if, if I long for acceptance, then what I'll do is I'll sell out on a lot of things for the purpose of being praised or encouraged or whatever it may be. And, 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 we're, and the dangerous trap of that is that if you f- seek to find that in the wrong places, not in healthy places, that's a slippery slope of destruction. Mm-hmm. So when you can identify who you are, your proclivities and tendencies, hmm. then you can begin to identify, in my humble opinion, the screw tape letters of C.S. Lewis, that the enemy, like, um, and a guy named Steve Cockrum, and I'm just going to throw this out there. He's my coach. I meet with him every Thursday mornings at 8 o'clock. He lives in London. We do a FaceTime. And um, he and Jeremy Kubitschek wrote a leadership manual around giant. And giant is, is it's just leadership, but it's got spiritual principles attached wow. to it. And so for me, walking through what he defined as screw tape letters. And this is what he said to me. He said, if I'm going to take you out, th- th- this could be a whole whiteboard session. 
He said, guys like you that, that are sensors and feelers, you can walk into a room and you can sense what's happening and you can get a vibe and you can get a feel and you're an entrepreneur, you're an innovator. He said, but guys like you, here's what happens is that you're, you're, you move so fast and you operate in revelation. But if you don't got people that give you interpretation, hmm. you'll quickly go to application from wow. revelation and therefore in the moment, because you don't have people that are asking the hard questions, mm -hmm. you'll lead to be an entrepreneur. And then he said this, and I'll never forget it. He goes, and guys like you start well, but don't finish well. You start a project and, and you get bored with it because you haven't learned to bring people in your life that ask you the hard questions. Yeah. And so what he began to discover for me was he said, if I'm going to take you out, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to isolate you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you be the Pied Piper in all of what you do. And you're going to walk into spaces and you're going to be a great communicator on the stage. And you're going to have this great woo and this aura. He said, but the real question <clears throat> is, is who's walking with you? And he asked this question and who can tell you no? That's a big word. Who can tell you no? I was like, well, my wife can tell me no. Mm. He's like, no, no, but in your organization. So um, this began to open up this tremendous conversation. Wow. What does this look like to really know myself? Mm -hmm. And what I began to discover is that it, my, my, my tendencies and proclivities, and, and this is just a confession that I am immensely insecure, very insecure. So you, you guys have been very gracious to me, but I compare myself to a lot of the other people, yeah. which is the reason why I can't listen to other preachers. Mm -hmm. I'll read them. I can't listen to them sure. because I'm a kleptomaniac. I'll take them mm -hmm. like their, their, their style, their accent, whatever it may be. And I've just had to go, God, forgive me because deep down inside, there's an insecurity that I don't feel good enough, not smart enough. I had to work through counseling to get to that place of why, why is that the case? That's why nurture is so important. Hmm. Who, who spoke into your life that mm -hmm. didn't just say the right things, but said the wrong things that you have a loop that plays in wow. your mind. And that loop that plays in my mind is I'm not smart enough. I'm not charismatic enough. I'm, I'm not enough. Hmm. And what the redemptive work of Christ has done in my heart is revealed that. And now I know, and here, here's the crazy thing. So when I notice in my insecurities, if I'm not careful, I'll just start fishing for compliments. Somebody just tell me I'm good. Hmm. Somebody tell me that, that I'm whatever. And if you're not careful, then, then you live for that. And you pursue that and you start to slowly lose yourself. Yeah. And so by just this simple process of going, let me know who I really am, the things that I'm really even embarrassed about, find the kryptonite, point it out, tell other people about it. And, and one of the things, like, honestly, one of the things I know when I, I feel low, um, I battle anxiety, I battle depression. And when I get low, it's not that I'm running to dr drugs or alcohol or like food for me, it's buying something new mm. and it's not expensive things. Like it's going to Marshall's Ross, TJ Maxx and finding the red clearance tag item mm -hmm. and being able to justify in my mind. It's the deal of all deals. I'll get it in that bag with something new in it that I could wear, mm. get creates an endorphin high of it's new. Yep. And when I identified that, sharing that with my wife, and she sees me scrolling not on Instagram, but like on a Nike app. Yep. She goes, you good? You okay? I go, I know. I just feel, and she knows. Mm -hmm. But see, most people don't identify those things. Yeah. And most people don't invite other people into those things. 
wow. because it's embarrassing. But I'll go on a podcast to hopefully maybe encourage somebody to go, man, invite as many people as possible. And at, the, the enemy is telling you, don't tell anybody that because it, it, it's embarrassing. Yeah. No, the more you can let people into this, the right people, of course, right. then actually it's liberating. Mm. Yeah. So I, I have people now that, that are able to identify those things. So speak to that for a second. How, how do you know who's the right person? Because mm-hmm. it can also be detrimental to invite the wrong person. Correct. Into Correct. And I, I think the right people are people that are going to give you the benefit of the doubt, that don't jump to conclusions, mm-hmm. that look at the pattern of, of choices that are made over a particular period of time. And, and, and they're safe. And what I mean by that is because everybody wants to share everybody else's business through the form of a prayer request. Mm. And, and, man, th- those are the people. It, it, it's, it's a pure godly characteristic for someone to take information and hold it yeah, and hold you accountable to it Wow, and bring the right people in. But oftentimes that doesn't happen. And, and by trial and error, which, by the way, is the reason why a lot of pastors, and we know this to be true, a lot of pastors, we, we've all had this conversation. Why, why do pastors not have friends? Well, man, they've been shanked enough. Yeah. They, 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 they tried to bear their soul with somebody that went to their church and realized that person was in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And, and then they've, they've been wounded. And if there's a pastor that comes across this podcast, my hope and prayer is that they would choose to love again mm-hmm. and trust again, maybe a person that would be a Jonathan in their life. That's huge. So, And if you had one final word to give to uh, next generation, 16 and 26-year-olds, what would it be? You're not the future church. You're the current church. Rise up. That's big. Hey, this has been the Lead Defend podcast. Thank you, Ed. Yeah, we appreciate you. you. Um, yeah. LeadDefend.org is the place it's you can go up. find all the information on the upcoming Lead Defend conference. We cannot wait to we see, you there. see you there. This has been Brock and Ryan, and we'll see you next time. See ya. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.